Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the High Republic book Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland. I am excited for this particular dive. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I'm Ken Napsok. So happy to go, uh, go back to this era, spend some more time in this era with uh, an author who has, uh, through the course of the higher public, just become one of my uh, favorites to read, Justina Ireland. Yeah, it's really great to be able to be excited about every book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that we weren't in the you know first uh, wave of the first phase, but as we've now into wave three of phase one, it was really nice mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I'm excited for that one and that one. I'm excited for them all. Yeah. Know and trust the authors and invested in the characters. We're going to dive into all that, as I said, but we always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, this episode, we are recommending the book we're about to talk about. So if you would rather listen to the book first, then hear our discussion, you can go right now and download a free audiobook of Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook, assuming you have not quit the podcast. To go listen to the actual book, thank you for staying with us or coming back. We're going to dive in. We like to start uh, every book review with uh, just sirens. Awooga, awooga, spoilers, full spoilers. We're going to talk about everything in the book. So if you don't want to be spoiled, this is your last chance. How many offers can I give people, Ken, to stop listening to our <laughs> podcast? Uh, any uh, any uh, warnings or caveats I'm forgetting? <laughs> Look, at this point, I think legally, if you clicked the link, you knew it was coming. So <laughs> we are not liable. We are not liable. And with that in mind, let's talk about a book. Ken, what was your overall reaction to Mission to Disaster? I, I really loved loved it. And, and, and like I said, High Republic's just been hitting home run after home run there. But what I loved about this is... Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we had it for a little bit and we were finding the right time for you and I to read it and then cover it on the show. And I had, even though it's a, it's a middle grade reader. So immediately, immediately Ken's like, Oh, all the big words are gone. Uh, and then the page numbers are a little smaller and the font is bigger. It was, I had one of those weeks where I'm like, ah, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I got to read star Wars. I got to read star Wars. Wow. What a hard life. But you know, it's a reality of sometimes what we do. And I ended up finished this one in a, in, in a flourish because I just really love uh, Vernesta Rose, the character, Avon Staros, really grown on me. Love that Star Wars, uh, Star, Staros, Star Wars family, uh, mm. uh, good and bad uh, that uh, sometimes they're present in that family. Uh, we're learning more about that. I just I just really, in Emery, I just love these characters. And, and that's been so much fun uh, to, as a High Republic fan. We talk about the authors. Every one of these authors has like their bag of characters. Mm-hmm. And they get to kind of bring them out and other characters pop in and out. And, you know, Geode hopefully shows up wherever Geode wants to show up. But <laughs> I just love when you can tell an author's like, great, I get to go revisit these characters that I've helped uh, uh, create and put into the galaxy. And it's a lot of fun. So this overall is just a real fun, exciting read. Yeah, no, I, I am in uh, the same place with a lot of things. I was very much looking forward to this book and it had nothing to do with uh, – uh, uh, not wanting to read it. It was just an a, a exercise in time management uh, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. read it last week when I was really busy with uh, lots of things as well as Force Center. Uh, so I was, had one of those like, I'm not going to be able to read this in bits and pieces. So I just uh, said, you know, Thursday morning is book time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of nice. Got up early uh, with a cup of uh, coffee or calf. Uh, if I want to imagine I'm in Star mm-hmm. Wars land and read it uh, literally cover to cover. And it's really fun yeah. to be able to do that, to really get into the world and the galaxy. 
And what I really liked about this book, it, a lot of big ideas, a lot of that a great uh, stuff that it uh, about the way it, it fits into the uh, overall storytelling puzzle piece of the High Republic story. But honestly, what I enjoyed the most is just spending time with these characters. It's been one of the most rewarding parts of the High Republic is getting introduced to new character after new character and going, I really like them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really like uh, this challenge. I really like this quirk. I really like this personality. And like, uh, I I like Vernestra and Imri and their partnership uh, in particular and, uh, you know, I would, I would read them just going on a sightseeing tour of the galaxy, just like, Hey, do they yeah. need to go to Canto Bight for some reason? <laughs> I'd read that. So, uh, it's not that there isn't conflict or growth in this story, but it is just a pleasure, uh, to spend time with these characters. Um, and I, I've always been interested in Avon, uh, Staros and I've enjoyed her before, but this is my favorite Avon story by far. I feel oh, like yeah. because it was digging into this idea of, what does it mean to be a scientist mm-hmm. uh, and the way it touched on those ideas and everything between the, from the construction of the Death Star to the, the vast number of characters in the Clone Wars animated series who are coded as traditional mad scientists. It's mm-hmm. such an interesting thread in Star Wars of the, um, the power and the responsibility of invention, of technological invention. So having Avon really embrace that was so awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's got the, one of the best uh, first lines of any Star Wars book. Uh, Avon Staros did not bounce. <laughs> she was in a word of scientist. Ends the opening paragraph. Great introduction. Great stuff with her indeed. Yeah, so that was super good. And then one of the over, overall vibes for me of this book, it, it was just like it's not a murder mystery. It's not a, it's not a whodunit. Uh, it, but it had this great feeling of <laughs> – uh, distrust and suspicion. I question saying great. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it yeah, great yeah, for yeah. a reader of, uh, it, it's not a who done it, but it's a, nobody knows who did what to who, why, when anybody will tell you. Like mm-hmm. there are levels upon levels that we'll discuss of distrust and suspicion. And it was really effective because it put me in, mm-hmm. it made me feel what, um, Avon and Imri and Vernestra in particular were feeling of just like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to navigate uh, what's going on, but I don't know who to trust. And I thought it was really, really well done. Mm. Obviously it's a, it's a great book of youth stepping into adult roles, which is perfect for, for a middle reader book. So Mm. uh, I really love that vibe of uh, who can I trust that almost made me feel like I was reading an Agatha Christie novel. No, no, I'm with you on that there. One of the things I, I have enjoyed about the, the middle grade readers and the young adult ones, um, and the young adult ones sometimes might seem to be, I don't know, bigger in scope, but we have the wonderful main novels, which I, I still love and would still list as my favorites, but I love getting to, um, I don't want to say smaller and, 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 and have that translate to less important, but little tinier corners that mm-hmm. start to attack, attach to the big thing, but not just in plot, but just in this idea, we're going to deal a lot of what's going on or the Nile and why the Nile doing this and people learning more about them and, and how frightening they really are on the level. I think a lot of that has in reading them in books like this have, have helped me in the bigger novels. If that makes sense, it really flows nicely. Justine Ireland does a great job of just uh, keeping the big picture in mind with every, every character, every moment, every, every uh, situation. So I love reading that stuff. Yeah, well, no, I really agree with you. I think by by t- see 
this book in particular, and there are many other like it for the young adult in the middle reader, where you get to see uh, very much just like uh, the day-to-day people of the Star Wars galaxy and how they're affected mm-hmm. by the Nile. I think that's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. Let's dive into then the big ideas, the big themes. Uh, I try to break some of the down for uh, the novels uh, when mm-hmm. we discuss them. And then we go from there uh, and uh, certainly always room to have uh, other thoughts about what the themes are. Uh, but this is what spoke to me, Ken, is mm-hmm. this one. There are a couple things, but this first idea for me was the biggest affect me the most. This idea of accepting imperfection. Um, our major perspective characters, Vernestra, Imri, and Avon, are all struggling to deal with their own fears and past behaviors. You know, this is a standard for, for stories. But this idea of imperfection specifically comes up again and again. Um, mm-hmm. Imri is at constant risk of being overwhelmed by his own, uh, by his anxiety, his, his personal anxiety. And then, you know, that uh, ability he has to feel the anxiety right. of everyone else around him. Uh but he conquers his anxiety uh, and ends up proposing this bold solution of, of moving Starlight Beacon uh, to save Dalna. You know, and, and when I was re- writing my notes, I wrote up conquer, but I, I think really more what it is is accepting anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Of accepting mm-hmm. imperfection of like, I, I know I have anxiety and I need to find a way to work with it, which is I feel like what that moment is when he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the the young mm. Padawan <laughs> in the big group of, uh, of important Jedi and Republic officials who speaks up, but I have to, you know, so he right. works with it. Mm-hmm. Love that. Uh, yeah, sorry. Love that. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, Vernestra's instincts are to head in a sort of straight line to resolve her primary problem, uh, rescue Avon and the other missing children. And instead she finds the strength to take this long curving, maybe imperfect path to that outcome because it's the right thing to do. So I thought that was another reflection of uh, accepting imperfection. And then Avon uh, fears this uh, inherent imperfection of her scientific gifts and in- instincts, imperfect in that she can't always control the outcome of what she creates. And, and you know, not all scientists mm-hmm. can. That idea that uh, she can make amazing things uh, with her skills and science in general can create amazing things, but they can also be perverted to do terrible things. And I feel like her path in this book is to accept that that's true of science. Mm. Um, and then one of the other reasons that I sort of uh, uh, was drawn to this idea of imperfection is it gets brought up in lots of little ways throughout the book, many moments, images, ideas of imperfection. Like when um, Avon is building flaws into the synthetic crystals, uh, the images of those Durga berries, they're like, they're delicious, but they are going to splash on you and there's nothing you can right. do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that great little section where Imri becomes friends with Gemma the Tuka in the, uh, the the Tuka cat is described as being friendly and grumpy exactly as nature made her. Uh, boy, was that a sentence about it, accepting imperfection. I think the fact that the Starlight Beacon's hyperdrive engines have not been set up yet, but have to be, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it can be moved, but in this janky, imperfect way, a yeah. big physical image of accepting and working with 
imperfection. So uh, what were your big picture thoughts on this theme? Uh, did you see it in the book? Do you think I'm mad? Uh, no. Did, do you relate to it? Take inspiration from it? Uh, where do you go with this? I mean, I've never related to a Tuca cat more in my life. Uh, <laughs> friendly and grumpy, exactly as I am. I uh, loved all that. No, including as someone who gets food on his shirt all the time. I enjoy a good splashing berry. Uh, a lot of it jumped out. I really love the plight of, of um, Emery, the journey, but uh, ultimately, the Ver- Vernestra having to kind of slow down. We're gonna talk more about that. I really connected <laughs> with that. That's that's a that's a big thing, and with me, and just to see, you know, we're in such an interesting position with her being such a a skilled, you know, uh, almost child genius level Jedi. Right? She's not this, yeah. this chosen one, but she's young. She's she's in a, 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 a teenage Jedi knight. That's not uh, something that happens all the time. So she's got these great skills, but um, still learning, still in the process, and teaching uh, and learning while she's teaching. It's, it's it's great that she's become one of my favorite characters. Love Ernestra, and just there's the, the the we'll talk about it. But there's a point where literally it's like. Well, we'll get there in two days and you can't do anything about it <laughs> just as it has to be. Uh was really a powerful for me. And the Avon stuff like uh, really, really tied into some big Star Wars stuff. Uh, I thought of uh, uh, balance of uh, nature, so to speak, or, you know, the creations and, and the dangers of, of going too far, being obsessed and, and, and this doctor that's uh cybernetically enhanced all these kind of things big star wars stuff with avon this is why it was such a a, a, you know great showing for that character yeah absolutely and and i think for me this sort of big picture uh and i think it's been there with these characters and been there in justina ireland's writing and also been in the high republic in general like really reminding you this is um the path of the jedi that uh they aren't perfect heroes who always resolve everything they are beings who are committed to trying to do their best and a lot of them accept that a part of that journey means there are going to be flaws there are going to be mistakes you are going to feel the pull to do things in ways that you don't want to do that you know are going to be destructive those are never going to go away what you have to do is manage them mm-hmm. and i thought this book was a great you know a uh, uh, perspective on that i liked in particular this quote on uh, page 190 Vernestra took a deep breath and let out a sigh. Sometimes she wished she could be irrational, but that was against every single bit of her training. Being a Jedi was hard. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, and I, it, it's written so directly, so in such a relatable way. Uh, but I think it's it's one of the philosophies of Star Wars, of the Jedi, of the High Republic that I really like is imperfection is real. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can even be a gift. Uh, but even when it isn't a gift, when it is just something you have to cope with, that's a part of the journey of coping with the parts that aren't great. Yeah, absolutely it is. Mm. Yeah. I also like this quote on page 57 about uh, we've got a lot of uh, stories in High Republic about the way different Jedi visualize the Force. And I liked this uh, little passage about Vernestra. While the Force was not truly a truly physical thing, uh, but more of an energy field linking all living things, it was most helpful for Vernestra to visualize it as water. Water flowed and twisted. It conformed to its container and sometimes changed its form altogether. I thought that was great that even Vernestra's visualization of it was like, it. Eh. Uh, mm. the water's going to go where the water's going to go. <laughs> yeah. The water's going to do what it's going to do. And I got to be flexible. Sometimes it's, it's ice chips and you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Big ice chips in your root beer. 
unfortunate, <laughs> imperfect. Um, so uh, do you feel like Vernestra and Imri both made some breakthroughs in their journey with uh, imperfection? How did you feel about their specific journeys in this book? Yeah, I think Emery comes out of this stronger, more, more, more self-assured in the most positive of ways. And dear God, I you know, hope fallen <laughs> starlight after the starlight beacon, all the stuff like, man, I hope Emery still stays strong. A wonderful character, but I love that. But I, I want to go to the Vanessa stuff because um, highlighting that moment here where she literally has to take these slow beasts of burden to slowly, slowly, but surely get to there uh, comes out of this wanting to help Avon. And there's a bit of an attachment conversation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That always pops up, but this giant les- lesson in, in patience, uh, allowing yourself to pull back and see all that is in front of you, I think allows uh, so many of the characters in the story to connect to the bigger picture, but particularly Vernestra. Therefore, it's no longer just about Avon. It is about the other children. It's about Dalma itself. And, and, and she allows herself um, to go with that flow, water again, I guess you would say, to connect um, that you can only go as fast as life lets you at times. And that might be one of the hardest things as a Jedi, especially in this big war. There's all these questions that keep popping up about, well, let's go out there, out there and meet the Nile uh, where they're at. Let's destroy them. We need to do that. We need to get the victory. And hey, I thought we did is a big question we're going to talk about. Um, and I think if you're charging ahead, you might not, uh, you might not know exactly what you need to do. Uh, and uh, versus what you want to do. So I thought that was a big lesson, a big breakthrough for her. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really liked her, her story because I kind of felt like she was in this book, a, a bit of a steadfast character. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like she had a, one moment where you felt like, Oh, Vernestra, you're so close to making the wrong decision. Uh, or you do make a wrong decision. Then you course correct. I felt like what was so great about it is that, she's wrestling with so much. She's still wrestling with how she feels about these visions. Um, It's not, we're not explicitly reminded of it in this book, but you know, uh, Mari Santeca gave her that path um, uh, that she still has some anxiety about her, her light whip, right? Like, you know that Mm -hmm. she has lots of things that she questions and has anxieties about. And in this book, it's that real, like, I would really like to go into a straight line as fast as I can, not held back by anybody else and save Avon and figure out what's going on with the other kids. Um, But I don't feel like she ever falters or gets close to making a bad decision. Instead, what we get to see is a steadfast character who makes the right decisions and patiently follows the path. But then we get to see inside her head and just see like at every step of her making the right decision is like, what a pain in the ass to make the right decision. (laughs) (laughs) So you feel the challenge for her emotionally, but just sort of narratively, this is, I think a story of a steadfast character. I, unless I'm forgetting Mm -hmm. something, she doesn't Mm -hmm. have a moment where she slips or almost makes the wrong decision. No, I love what you're saying. Cause I I mean, the the page 65, there's this great moment. So she's talking about, she says, you don't think the Nile are involved. Uh, Vernestra asked, she hoped that finding Avon would be easy, but this was turned out to be a dead end. And again, once you, what you might think is a dead end leads to a different direction. And, and we, we talk about steadfast characters a lot. Leia, uh, Padme are, are these big, giant, important, steadfast characters. And that can, I don't know, especially if you're, these are two great characters. It might, it might seem easy. So I love what you're saying about you get inside Vernestra's head to actually see the process that a lot of it is maybe letting go. A lot of it is these internal debates she's having and she's able to move past them and still go the direction she needs to go. Um, and, and not just project, project this uh, era of be of easy, 
uh, but just uh, the, to, to, to see her work on a math problem. She's showing her work. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, she's showing her work on the emotional math problem. Yeah, I, I thought that was really great because you, you felt all this conflict. And I feel like in these in these ongoing stories, we're going to spend time with all these characters. I don't need them to have like a huge change every book, right? Yeah. And I think that's like it's a part of her her journey. Right. Uh, But Mm -hmm. this isn't like this is the book where Vernestra figures out X, you know, it's. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm cutting you off. But again, she is she's 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 a top prospect, man. She's she's ready. She got called up earlier to the major leagues and she deserves that. So uh, I think there is she whether she is setting out to do not she's justifying her position there to those that uh who who saw that talent in her but anyways i just like yeah i i don't need uh i don't need a big falter i just need her to continue to to ex- be an example of uh of the way it should be yeah yeah and i think she's got a lot of story left which is very exciting um i think mm-hmm. in contrast for me i think Imri does kind of have this moment uh where he steps up right um that he uh there, there's a quote on page 198 uh which i really like where it says uh he would find out what was going on even if it required an ocean of patience <laughs> yeah you know and knowing again they kind of hint around the edges uh but knowing his path that that he really lost it right and that's mm-hmm. part of the reason how he met vernestra is he 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 lost his patience and he that's right yeah. he did a very bad thing that's why avon even has his his kyber crystal right because he lashed out in anger and hate and vengeance and Vernestra had to stop him um and and to see him making so many strides forward of like uh okay I'm back on the path I was given another chance uh and I really do feel like it was this sort of like hero moment where uh you can see how he absolutely would have let the anxiety win and not spoken up about his great idea you know Mm-hmm. Um, and even the idea that Vernestra trusts him enough of like, you go by yourself, you go back to oh, uh, yeah. Starlight and figure it out. And just that, the I love a story where it feels like a, his big triumph is he spoke up <laughs> to all the scary adults in the room, you know? Uh, yeah. We're going to speak to the value of the stuff like that being in uh, middle grade and young adult books uh, and, yeah. and serving the greater pur- purpose of Star Wars. I think another thing of Vernestra, I just, it just kind of, I was poking through notes in a page. I totally, Kind of overlooked this in my even in my own head that part of this journey starts out where Vanestra's like got to find Avon. We got, but ah, now there's problems on Dalna. Ah, man, that's kind of I don't want to. We got to go find Avon, and Avon's on Dalna. So the answer being right where you need it, and how you you know you got to slow down and figure that out. Another part of the Vanestra lesson that I took. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that her her patience and willingness to do the right thing, you know, did lead her to where she needed to be, which is yeah. a, a lovely idea. I also did like both Vernestra and Imri um, learning that, uh, or, or I guess telling us, the readers, that the temples on Dalna, like some of them, so the point of them is to uh, kick back after you've had a rough time as a Jedi and rest and meditate. I <laughs> like that them both craving to be like, oh man, would it be great to just hang out with Tuka cats and eat fruit and meditate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Not going back to that temple anytime soon, though, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the uh, major through lines of imperfection was also Avon's guilt, I think, at stealing Imri's kyber crystal. Uh, did you like that Imri, the revelation at the end that Imri knew that Avon took it and forgave her and trusted her? Yeah, there's an interesting uh, 
beat there in that where where J six a great droid there. Um, it's got the uh, like the sassy button put in right. <laughs> they keep talking <laughs> yes. about this, the 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 personality that was put into the droid on reprogram. Uh, where even even J six wants Emery to kind of relish in Avon's pain, right? And even Avon's kind of like, yeah, you know, you should really hold that over me. I'm paraphrasing, uh, <laughs> of course, but I just realized that Emery realized, uh, just has this realization that, that that's really this a position of, of, of power, this moral high ground that isn't necessarily constructive or, or needed. And, and he gives up his ego and again, sees where she's coming from, maybe sees his own lessons in that, why he even lost the crystal to begin with and, and connects to the bigger picture. I think it's a, it's a form of letting go. It's a form of uh, a not being a, a negatively attached to anything and, and a true moment of forgiveness, a lesson of uh, of forgiveness, I guess you would say for all of us, but especially the younger readers. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're saying some great stuff here. I like the journey that Imri lost that crystal because he broke and he made a bad choice right mm-hmm. and i like you know him having the intelligence to go like yeah well who who had an opportunity to take that kyber crystal that i lost uh mm-hmm. of course avon uh but now he's been you know supported by vernestra supported by the rest of the jedi uh, working hard making great progress and for him to be able to sort of give that um that uh kindness and that hope to to mm-hmm. avon that she, that even if she feels like she made some mistakes that he sees that she has good intentions and that, you know, encourage her to move yeah. forward. You know, I, I, I think because Imri hasn't been following all of Avon's adventures, he doesn't in that moment quite know how huge of a gift he's giving her, right? Like she hugs yeah. him in that. But I think, you know, we, the readers get to know that Avon's gone on this great journey mm-hmm. of being afraid of who she could be, right? The same way Imri yeah. gave in and, and became, you know, the worst version of, of what he could be. She has that fear. I think that the doctor, uh, Macamba mm. is a vision of what she could become. Right. Uh, I love yeah. those passages where the doctors about like, yeah, no, a war was a great place to test yeah. my weapons. Cause all I care about is me and whether uh, I can create power. And I think Avon sees like, Ooh, is that what I am at risk of becoming? And is my mm. lie about this crystal a, a part of it? So I think by her, you know, releasing all of that to Imri, you know, she gets this great gift of being validated of like, that's not who you are. That's not who I see. Yeah. I see this really talented person who, uh, you know, unlike Imri always is able to plow forward, mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and compliments, uh, her greatest strengths in, in, you know, uh, underlines the greatest strengths instead of focusing on, on the fears. Yeah. Like I said, true forgiveness. And uh, yeah, she, she pushes forward without bouncing, maybe skipping, but not bouncing as a scientist. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was, it was a great moment. Uh, I, I think, again, you're looking for these lessons uh, for all of us, all of us. But uh, I love uh, that they're coming in these younger books. They're big lessons. Big lessons. Yeah. So I want to talk for a moment about Dalna. So it's uh, the mm-hmm. volcanic nature of the planet, I think, is like uh, living on an uh, imperfect powder keg metaphor. Uh, right. How do you think what happened to Dalna advanced the ideas of this book in the High Republic era in general, that it, it ended up being a victim of the Nile, uh, the planet, and mm-hmm. uh, exploding for a time into volcanic chaos? I, I think especially with Dr. Macamba, it's this idea of, you know, when you turn up, set the balance of nature, and that maybe Dalna was... Uh, Oh yeah, in the more of a dangerous spot, but there's there was uh, it, it, 
you, you, you got characters messing with it, literally using these crystals to, to upset the balance of the planet. And, and uh, that could be the galaxy itself. The galaxy itself is a powder keg. We're all sitting on that. And I just, uh, I think it was a perfect setting for uh, attacking some of those uh, big lessons, particularly in the High Republic era, this era that is about, hey, we've expanded, we've had the frontier. How do we make this better? How do we do this right? And there's dangers uh, at every corner. There's uh, uh, instability at every corner. And if uh, someone pushes the balance, uh, you know, off kilter, uh, dark overtakes light, light uh, doesn't... uh, push back dark in the best way possible. This is what's going to happen to the galaxy itself. Yeah. I, I really thought it was great that it is um, this image, this idea of um, to be imperfect is to be natural. This is a young planet, mm-hmm. maybe like these characters, maybe like these readers, it is <laughs> still being formed. And because it's young, those boiling emotions that lava is just under the surface i thought that was it was pretty great <laughs> wait a minute uh, are you saying dalna was puberty <laughs> <laughs> not quite uh, yeah, okay. i'm gonna okay. say maybe okay. 60 60 okay 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 <laughs> yeah maybe the book's middle reader but dalna's young adult i don't know but yeah it's definitely that right i mean and uh yeah. as you and i know uh you can certainly have emotional lava in thin crust at any age. Uh, but it's so what's going on in this book of can the characters, you know, contain mm. their, their lava, accept <laughs> their lava without their crust breaking. Um, and for the larger high Republic story, I just, I feel like this is this great story that the Nile goes after everything that's fragile, you know, from uh, emotions to uh, political agendas. They're so good at finding, you know, w- mm. what is, fragile in in attacking it and seeing if they can break people in the process yeah love that yeah mean nile all right let's <laughs> uh, move on to this uh other big idea in the book uh which i think is dealing with the unknown mm. it's definitely some uh overlap there with the imperfection but uh i i was really intrigued by this because throughout most of the story the characters are trying to find a path forward without knowing what the bleep is truly going on Uh, There are some specifics that really kind of led me to looking at it from this lens. Uh, On page 80, Imri has a dream that is a memory of his dear departed master, Douglas Sunvale. uh, And Douglas is telling him, Imri, it's no good to go charging into things you know nothing about. Uh, And then on page 116, uh, the returning character from Dalna, Honesty Weft, talks about the mysterious Night of Sorrow, which we'll talk about more. Uh, but honestly talks about the night of sorrow by saying this about the Jedi. Uh, the Jedi in the old stories weren't bad. It's more that they didn't fully understand the problem before they rushed in. So mm. there's a couple of moments that really sort of kind of threw up the, the, the flag of this is an idea in the book. And then when you start to, to follow those, um, it, it really resonates with everything that's going on in the book. The, the entire galaxy is in a state of confusion about the Nile. Are they defeated mm. or aren't they? What's the deal with the Nile? Uh, the Dalna are standoffish to the Jedi, which is, makes the flow of information extremely difficult. And then we learn there are actually some Nile spies. There are some politicians lying out of fear. Uh, some of the archive records are incomplete. Uh, as you pointed out, which I love, Vernestra continues to struggle uh, you know, to determine who she can trust. Uh, can she trust her dreams? Uh, can she trust what anybody is uh, saying to her? Um, 
then, of course, there are the traitors on board the Starlight Beacon, uh, the Gaul uh, Tarpfen, the Moncala security guard. And we, the readers, know that uh, Avon's mom is a traitor. The characters don't. Right. So there's all of these uh, situations that the characters are in where they don't know what's going on. They don't want to move forward until they know what's going on. And there are all sorts of obstacles to know what's going on. So were you affected uh, by this story of the characters having a hard time getting to what is known? Yeah, I hear I hear Roger Daltrey singing "Who Are You?" Who 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 Who? Uh, and there, there, I have like a, a um, like this made me think of real life stuff, and then also the in, an in story uh, connection. I just I just love uh, this angle here, and think it's a, a great theme you've pulled out here. Um, so in terms of how just um, how how I was affected by the story, and was I? Yes, uh, um, I I I I some, sometimes do well with the un, unknown in the sense of. I eventually can get to a nice stoic place of moving on to new chapters. Uh, I am, I can power through loss, all these kind of wonderful things, but I struggle when that journey takes too long and I struggle uh, with not being able to separate uh, any of the pain and shame and, and rain during the dark times and I move it forward. So I, I get overwhelmed by, uh, can we all just get an answer? <laughs> we all just let me know I'll move forward. I just need to know. And I, that's where a lot of my stress comes in. And, and I think uh, I felt the energy of all the characters, not knowing, not knowing the best way forward. Or again, going the Vanessa moment of like, wait a minute, the thing I was looking for was here. How come I didn't see that before? <laughs> and now I have to get there nice and slow. I mean, there's so many times I've started projects. The hardest thing to do is start them. And it feels like you're writing the beast of burden for two days. What right. do you want to get done? And I, 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 so I was affected by that uh, uh, personally uh, and how that kept uh, popping up in this book. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it, it, it dovetails with great ideas of patience. It made me mm-hmm. think of Yoda's quote uh, from Revenge of the Sith about, a, you know, a little knowledge will light our way. I'm paraphrasing there, but like mm-hmm. that, that push to be like, Ooh, we really want to understand what's going on. And like, that's a communication uh, frustration I have sometimes where like, I want to ask lots of uh, questions. And sometimes people are like, I've got the answer. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to jump to the end. I want to understand all of the beats that are going yeah. into us making this decision, right? Like, we need to make a decision. Well, let me, I really want to understand, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everything in relation to that decision uh, so you don't, you know, misinterpret the situation or rush forward. Um, so that's something that that uh, I got to be mindful of other people's communication styles and be respectful of that. But I am happiest when like, I can know the most amount of information humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. can make the best decision, understanding all of the nuances along the way. And mm-hmm. I just, I was really affected by the story of, of, uh, of Vernestra working so hard to do that and being so foiled. And it, it worked <laughs> on me. It unnerved me. I, I like halfway mm-hmm. through this book, it, I was, uh, I, I've thought that, um, Dr. Glenna Kipp, who was, uh, mm-hmm. Avon's, uh, kind of mentor, uh, figure on, uh, at Port Haleep, um, was going to be a traitor because she was the same species as that Nile member, Deva. Right. And I was like, ah, 
and then I finished the book. And I was like, this book got me just pointing the fingers at people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I love> that. <laughs> because of that sort of murder mystery, yeah, yeah. Uh, mistrust, distrust vibe. I thought that was, it was really effective. Like this book got me, this book got me pointing fingers. Oh, the, the Galt Harfin uh, reveal of the security camera speed. Is, I, I had a dun, 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 like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's just in terms of plot. And, and I know there might've been uh, content, uh, maybe a comic or something where Gall might've been, uh, uh, blackmailed by denial or something like stuff going on. Yeah, uh, I have to dive more into that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to keep up with everything, but I mm-hmm. every character's name that I read, I assume that there is uh, another story that I somehow have not yet <laughs> yeah, read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, is there any kind of specific story or beat or idea related to uh, this big theme of of wanting to know the full story? Yeah, well, and it's it's really a big in story thing, but I'm always, I always have per- personal things to connect to that. Uh, you know, we, we we love digging into the themes and stuff here, but this this High Republic era has just done done such a great job of this big, big story, and all these characters and little beats that are, are, are we get to live with here. I felt in this one on a smaller level, it just this this whole thing of I thought we defeated the Nile is really effective. Mm. That there's different ways of I thought we defeated the Nile question mark, and then there's exclamation points. We defeated the Nile. And how um, they haven't. And then that leads into questions of why are you missing this? Uh, why are you know, I, I sometimes find myself I'd be the Jedi grabbing my light whip and saying, let's go get them, which yep. isn't necessarily the right thing to do. And and some, you know, you got Avar out on her mission, which we know Stellan Gios doesn't really agree with at the, at the beginning of Fallen Star. And it frustrates me in a wonderful story sense because I feel it. I feel it. it makes me question the Jedi. Like I said, uh, it makes me want to charge forward, which t- ties back to that lesson where I, uh, I too have, I have the opposite, uh, not a complete opposite of you, but like you know, the idea of like I, we'll figure it out when we get there, which just speaks to my fears of wanting to slow down. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, and so if everyone slowed down, much like Vanessa learning the answers where she's at. And she's at, she is already at uh, the, the part she needs to, the place she needs to be at and the part of the story she needs to be at just reminds me that the full picture is not being seen by everyone and uh, creates this wonderful sense of dread that I can, I can, I weird to say connected with, but I just enjoyed it. That the whole galaxy is like, we just spent the last year kicking their ass, right? They've been doing some horrible things, <laughs> like horrible things. We kicked their ass, right? Right? And just that foreboding sense of you don't even know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that one exchange um, uh, between Avon and the kidnapped kids where, where other kidnapped kids where Avon is defending the Jedi. Like, well, if they know that we're in trouble, they're, they're going to show up every mm-hmm. every time they, they're trying. <laughs> like, Avon was doing a little justice for the Jedi there about the yeah. Nile problem, which I really liked. Uh, yeah. it, it, it made me feel Vernestra's journey. I think Vernestra's journey is the one that I related to the most because she is, you know, she's young, but she was in charge of this mission, right? And mm-hmm. I love that she acknowledges attachment. It's like, this isn't, this is an attachment. This isn't me being like, I got to rescue my friend. Like, uh, she is a person in danger and I should care about all people. And she uh, it could endanger lots of other people that she is the daughter of a senator. So mm-hmm. that makes this important outside of my own feelings and Vernestra as much as she's wrestling I think just has her her head on her shoulders right so mm. once you get to those passages where she's like okay I gotta go to Dalna okay I uh, gotta tread incredibly careful around the people on Dalna because they have a issue with the Jedi mm. uh, I is she's got to be like I assume it's legitimate because I can't have information about what happened okay right. I'll go in being as gentle as possible 
And then I got to sit through plotting two-hour meetings. Well, I'm pretty sure people lie to me and stay patient. Yeah. What a champ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, who who among us have not been in plotting meetings where oh. you kind of feel like yeah. some, either this is just maddeningly slow or somebody's mm. not really playing entirely fair and it's just, it's an obstacle to what I need to get done, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Extremely, extremely relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I love it all. I love that the galaxy just might need to learn how they got to this point too. And then if if you're being, if you slow down, maybe a nice slow meeting can figure that out. Not always. Meetings are horrible. I hate meetings too. Um, But there's my problem. There's my problem. It emerges again. But she, uh, yeah. through her patience, she, she sits and analyzes and says like, I, this is, this is fear. Like I, yeah. I this guy's lying to me, but he seems afraid of something. So she doesn't mm-hmm. get something out of it. Right. 100%. You know, it, that it, it lets her add, help add up the pieces along with uh, everybody else, including honesty, uh, mm-hmm. living up to his name there and being honest. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is one of the things I love about the the space in these books that you can have absolute hero moments where, you know, a, a Jedi uses the force to connect a cable to turn the starlight beacon and the light whip moments. But then there's also like, what, what was one of my favorite moments of a Jedi? Uh, Vernestra sitting through a bad meeting hmm. for two hours. What a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, final thing that I wanted to acknowledge is that this book does uh, have a, a theme, a plot of children in peril. Uh, tough time for kids in this book. Um <laughs> Not only are all our main characters uh, younger people taking their first steps into kind of handling adulthood and being in charge of things, uh, but then, of course, the Nile are kidnapping children to recruit into the Nile or put them to manual labor or sell them. Uh, but then he's also got the Nile kidnapping Theo, the vice president's son. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of kids uh, in peril. How did that affect you reading this book? Uh, could you? I, I think I'm used to this idea in Star Wars, Star Wars from Palpatine and the Clone Wars to the First Order, which I guess just means it's Palpatine. Uh, but I got. Could you imagine as a middle grade reader, just uh, wait, this could happen? <laughs> <laughs> this was like in the '80s. We would. Uh, God, I used to be traumatized by the milk cartons with the missing kids out of which are heartbreaking real life stories that I just. It, it would. I had so much dread in my young life about that. This is my mom effectively used it to keep me in the house. I swear to you. Um, so anyways, I think this is a, 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 but it's important to put that and address that and, uh, and provide a sense of understanding um, that maybe, you know, you might have to get yourself through some tough times in life, not just uh, in these uh, traumatic situations, but uh, you yourself might need the, find the best ways to help others and uh, the answers can't always be you i think that's valuable as a young kid too it's wrapped up in a maybe a traumatic package but i think that's the theme i would take from it yeah i i think for me all the storytelling does boil down to that big idea of you know fear is an honest thing it's a real thing it, yeah. you know it's not a bad thing it is a question of how do you handle it and figure out what's going to be best for you what's going to be best for the other you know people around you and i think you know doing things like having a middle reader book that puts children in really scary danger. I think having that for me, having those kind of plain honest about really scary things is what makes the book be able to Mm -hmm. deliver messages of hope and patience and friendship without feeling fake or saccharine, because this is the thing that balances it out. They came through real horror to get to that, those places of enlightenment. 
I think we, we in every middle grade and young adult book we, we've read, not only just kind of valuable to the high republic story, which is why it's fun for uh, us uh, old guys to read them, but uh, they, they're so honest and they never talk down to any of their readers. They talk right at them. And that's uh, maybe easier said than done in some of these books, uh, but they're, they're doing, they do it so well. And I think it's why. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any other big picture ideas or themes that you pulled out of the book that you wanted to discuss? I, I did write down the one quote there and I, I've seen to discuss other spots too. It's a uh, Vernestra just, uh, it touches on, on, on everything we've, we talked about before, but the closest we ever come to being truly one with the force is when we're working to help make the galaxy a better place for everyone. I think that you just slap that on the wall. It's a big lesson for all of this, but a big idea, a big reason we're here, big reason we want to find hope in the fear in Star Wars and a reminder of uh, the goals of the Jedi and the goals of the galaxy at large. That is a great quote uh, to pull and uh, wrap up our look at the big ideas in this book. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about some of the moments we enjoyed and I'm sure we'll keep talking about the big ideas as well. We'll be back in a moment. 
quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we are back to continue our discussion of the High Republic book Mission to Disaster. There's a lot of mission. There's a lot of disaster. A lot going on in this middle reader book. Ken, what were some of the moments you uh, particularly enjoyed, if they were funny or insightful or uh, any other enjoyable noun? <laughs> what did you enjoy? I took a lot of insight. We talk about how I love the Vanessa stuff, love the Emery stuff. But the stuff with Avon, there was a lot of stuff with Avon in this Dr. M. Kampa, Kampa and Kampa, um, who was the, you know, the playing with this idea of, uh, you were talking about the, 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 the uh, des- destroying the balance of things or the balance of nature. And, and then this great big lesson of Avon seeing what she could be if, if she uh, uh, doesn't uh, turn away from it, which is a big Star Wars theme, right? We've seen that with Anakin. We've seen that with General Grievous. We see a lot of characters showing other characters what could happen. But there's just some little moments there. And there's one particular just insightful moment of uh, when the doctor reveals that she has a blaster in her hand. It mm. <laughs> takes it off. And I love Avon just said, she describes it as that was like an unfair um, alteration. That the alteration mm. itself is not what's wrong. Um, you uh, enhancing yourself, or you having to having to be this, and having to have an alteration or enhancement in your life for whatever reason, um, reminded me of a lot of stuff we just discussed with Book of Boba Fett with the with those uh, street youths and the mm. colorful colorful scooters. So it's taken. You know, we have we always see again. We see Grievous. We see uh, Vader and what Anakin becomes. But that that these alterations, these enhancements, uh, whatever they might be, these changes or these differences are not a, are not a weakness in, it, in itself. It's what you do with it. And Avon just going, well, that's unfair. <laughs> that's, that's abusing that. What, what, what you've done there. I, I, I just love that uh, realization. It was, it was a little uh, wonderful, uh, insightful moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think another great kind of image of uh, you could do anything with science um, mm-hmm. and, and to, to lean towards violence. And I, I, not an explicit line drawn between them, but we're reminded in this book that Avon has added uh, lots of blasters to J6 and J6 is all about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it for me, it invited like is Avon thinking about that. Yeah. 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 Love, it. Love that. One of those moments. Um, one early moment for me uh, starts on page 20, but then it continues uh, uh, for a bit is it's just so humanizing. I love Emery being really bummed out about the noodle cart being destroyed on Port Aleph. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's another moment where he's worried about food. I'm like, I get this kid. I really get this kid. <laughs> the picture of this big, tall, growing kid, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure this all out. And it, it's it's such a great moment because it made me laugh, but then it also made me sad because it is like it gets to the – the senselessness of the Niles attack, right? They're just trying to <laughs> spread fear and chaos. So they're just like, and Emery Beanie is like, why would anyone attack a noodle cart? <laughs> and their noodles were so good. Uh, it's so relatable. I, I love that. I just, I just really picture him kind of muttering under his breath. Like I used to, for years, I was really upset that Red Robin got rid of their quesadillas. Just why would you do that? 
Why? So many places that I really liked here in LA, you know, didn't make it through the pandemic. And I'm like, oh man, yeah. I'll never have that English burger at Franklin <laughs> and Company again. Damn it. So I related, uh, I related uh, yeah. to him in that moment. Um, one just a kind of funny moment. I really liked uh, Avon going through uh, her past adventures and uh, saying to herself that she had an 87.3 success rate on hijinks and shenanigans. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was just a great uh, colorful way to get into her thinking. What are some other moments for you? I love to, when they go uh, back to Starlight Beacon, and, and we talk a little bit about the timeline stuff. I had a little bit of confusion of, of uh, when and where and what's and everything, which has nothing to do with the book, just uh, when they came out and just so much information to process sometimes in the Republic era. Mm-hmm. But I love the time they they spend around Avar, Chris. Avar's a great Jedi, uh, doing great things. Uh, hero of Hetzel, but also uh, carrying out this complicated, uh, controversial uh, mission and mandate. So much there. But I just love Vernestra and Emery kind of getting some uh, FaceTime with her and Vernestra getting kind of a, you know, blessing to, to go on these missions. And even though there's, there's a lot of darkness ahead, right? Uh, Starlight Beacon, what's mm-hmm. going to happen to it, everything. I just, uh, you know, for... Um, I don't know. We've all been there as as, as as a kid coming up or even as an, as an adult. And hell, hell I, I might even like suffer from it now where sometimes it's not just surface validation. You just want to feel like who you are belongs, who you are matters. And that someone else, maybe if, if they're above you in some, any, any kind of ranking capacity recognizes that. And I just, I actually felt despite the darkness coming, I felt really happy for Emory and Fernestra. Oh yeah. They are seen and valued, right? Yeah. In, yeah. In- Given, you know, leading roles. Yeah, I, I really like that as well. I think mm. that was great. Um, yeah. A couple of Vernestra beats for me um, that uh, I think are, are reasons that I like her character. I really like this story without her, you know, she is aware that she is a A plus 4.0 GPA Jedi, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, that she's aware that she is a prodigy, right? And she isn't cocky about it. She's got lots of various issues going on herself uh, and, you know, is trying to live up to that, but also having to kind of wrestle with, um, you know, sometimes she's impatient because she's like, yeah, I've got it all figured out. I know what we need to do next. I know how to do that <laughs> Jedi feat. Come on, can we go? Yeah. And as, you know, dealing with that. And I think one of the great little ways that that is communicated is like, we need all unwind a little bit here at this doll in the Jedi temple. Let's spar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she kicks everybody's butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even all the older Jedi, it's just one of those great, like if you're telling a story about a character who is a 4.0 <laughs> yeah. GPA Jedi, I love those little reinforcements of like, okay, Vernestra, you, you, you are the best with the lightsaber. That's just no question about it. You know, I really like that beat. Yeah. Um, and then uh, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I love toward the end of the book when it's, you know, Imri making the big swings, Avon making the big swings. Um, mm. And all Vernestra can do is she's got the Dalna people to the island and she's just got to wait. So she's just meditating while the sea boils around her. Yes. It was just a great image of Jedi patience. Like, well, the sea's boiling, nothing to do but meditate. Got to meditate. Got to meditate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple of Vernestra moments there for me. What are some other moments for you? Uh, final big ones for me. Just I do like uh, this uh, this older uh, Master Nyla. 
uh, you know, uh, I love the energy, love the Tuca cats, love everything about it. Love this temple. Uh, I felt a, a sense of comfort, uh, and, and sense of sadness at any loss of, of the planet. But anyways, I just liked everything around there, which ties in some stuff you're saying about Vanestra and the training. Uh, but, uh, a character and a character that has kind of no choice at this point, but to kind of slow down is a good lesson too. So I took a, I took a lot of that. Yeah, no, I I like the Jedi there. I like the emphasis on cooking, which is clearly in the mm-hmm. connection made to Porter Angle. It's just clearly yeah. like, yeah, these uh <laughs> these Jedi outposts, uh, the smaller Jedi outposts, they they really got to be good at cooking. Um, last moment for me, I, I really like the character Honesty Weft returning uh, from mm-hmm. Justina Ireland's uh, first book in the High Republic um, that we both really loved and really got a lot out of. Uh, so I was excited to see him back and excited to see him be kind of like a yep, I'm, I've learned and I'm growing. And I like that moment of hope at the end when he's like, well, yeah, this is, it is sad that we can't live on Dalna now, but it is going to give us reason to go out and discover things. And we'll come back to Dalna when the time is right. And like, that was a really nice beat. I love that. I'm glad you mentioned that. That made me just think of, of growing up. Right. <laughs> right. Made me think of leaving my hometown with tears in my eyes. So excited to get to LA. So afraid to leave. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, embracing it and saying, well, we'll return when the time is right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any other moments or shall we move on to action? We can go to some action here. Yeah. So there's some good action moments in this book. Were there ones that you uh, enjoyed? I'm going to just I'm going to probably come back to a whole sequence a lot here. I'll just warn you ahead of time. But it's uh, two uh, two words put together to form one wonderful creature. It's ice skaters. <laughs> um, now, here I'll yeah. tell you, I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to go too far down a, a story that has no relevance to us. But for, for years, I was trying to develop an animated TV show with some friends of mine. Uh, and uh I, it was a, it involved magical creatures, long story short. And I had, uh, my big contribution was ice bats and no one, <laughs> no one. It was like Matt Key, it was Matt Mercer, Jack Cummings, all this, but no one in that group was like on board with my ice bats. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're ice bats. They're like, what are ice bats? I'm like, they're like ice bats. They're blue bats. They're ice bats. And so when ice skaters popped up, I laughed and wanted to almost email the group. Like, see, Star Wars gets it. It's ice skaters. And I loved everything about them. There's some great art in there. Of, uh, uh, the, the cover, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the cover. Absolutely. These four-eyed, dragon-looking ice skaters. Dangerous creatures. Um, I loved it. Loved it. Uh, I pumped my fist when the ice skaters uh, were mentioned and showed up because this is the kind of thing that uh, I would have been all in on you uh, doing that, uh, adding the ice bats. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I like the side of Star Wars. Like, there, mm. it, 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 it comes from pulp. It comes yeah. from fantasy. It comes from the, yeah, throw ice, fire, or acid in front of it, and it'll be cooler. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be weird and it'll be pulpy in science fiction. And I imagine if there are ice skaters, if ice skaters show up in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the discourse will be destroyed. Right. Because <laughs> people are not always yes. into the pulpy side of it. No. And, and for me, it's it borders on an obsession. I love Star Wars staying attached to that part of its DNA, that part of its origin and having no shame in it. It's fun and exciting. And mm. it doesn't matter how weird or silly the the name or the idea is it it, it matters what happens with you know the story yeah. around those things you know I love it i love it well i'll grab uh, i'll grab the rights to the show and you and i can develop it and we'll throw in some <laughs> ice, ice yeah i mean i just want the ice bats we, we yep. can just do an ice bats show yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so uh, what were the action moments with the ice skaters that spoke to you? Uh, just uh, the whole fight. And, and, and the, again, the slow march there, some great art, too. Of, I, forgot, I forgot to write down the, the Beast of Burden's name. Do you have that written down? Uh, the one that they ride. Yeah. And, uh, I, there's a lot of names, uh, so I did take yeah. some notes. So I'll My scroll apologies. for it while you're talking. Yeah, but apologies. But the whole sequence of them, of, of, of those creatures, uh, they're also the ones that are stampeding towards the ship, and, and Vanessa Ooh. has to stand in front of them. Yeah, and there's some great art about it, just very uh, wonderful poster-worthy art. Uh, just... Uh, and the idea that you can't just destroy them. I'm looking at you, Fallen Order. You can't just destroy animals. Can't do it. Uh, it was real uh, tense. And, and then yeah. you, got, you got earthquakes and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I got earthquakes. Oh, yeah. my. So the so ground they were great. riding, groundquakes, mm-hmm. yes. Those are space earthquakes, groundquakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trapu, I believe, are the beasts they're yes. riding. Mm-hmm. And then the beasts that stampede at one point are a bullsa. Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I just like that whole again because it starts with this idea of like even Vernestra saying like, "All right, let's grab some speeders." Well, speeder bikes aren't going to get you there. Well, what do we got? Yeah, these beasts. You pack a bag <laughs> and a lunch. You'll get there in two days. Like, wow. Yep. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Yeah, that that was great. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the the ice skater fight. Uh, yeah. Uh, I loved the like you're saying the uh, the. Look, we're we're just trying to get them away. We're not trying mm-hmm. to hurt them. Uh, but I love that story of the archivist Jedi uh, mm-hmm. who almost forgets her lightsaber, right? Yeah, because <laughs> she's so not about fighting. Uh, and chops one of the ice skaters, then freaks out that she did that. I love that detail. <laughs> Absolutely, that that's very realistic. That's been one of the best things about the High Republic era is all the kinds of Jedi, right? Yep, all of them. Yep. Uh, the all the all the archivist ones were like, well, lightsabers, all right. Mm-hmm. I'd rather mm-hmm. read. Love that. Um, I like Fernestra uh, using that big force moment to that herd of a uh, bulsa running at her mm-hmm. and trying to use the force to gently turn them all. Uh, that was a, a great beat. Right. Um, and, and the fight, the the more um, kind of big action moment, the the fight with uh, Doctor Macamba uh, yeah. in Vernestra. That was cathartic to have like Vernestra like finally. She gets where she needs to be to well, rescue Avon and yeah. big fight ensues. Well, yeah, and, and the great use of the light whip, right? And I love uh, mm-hmm. going back to the, when we were first introduced to her and the light whip and sort of, uh, dare I even say shame, about having this uh, weapon of yeah. uh, great personality. So I love to just, uh, there it is, in action. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I think for me, probably my favorite action beat is the um, the bookends, right, of mm-hmm. Vernestra trying to catch Imri as he jumps again and again. I love the way that was written with Imri's youthful enthusiasm. Like, I can get this right. <laughs> Vernestra being like, I'm really tired from catching you so much. <laughs> uh, please, please get it, Imri. Um, and then that, that bookend of him joyfully using the force with him and all the Jedi leaping through space with those cables to connect to Starlight yeah. Beacon. That was a great visual, right? Of Absolutely. Just that, that leap through space to help other people so i love that the book ended of uh imri's jumps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. love that uh other action moments for you um i the, the entire a lot of the stuff um i mentioned with dalna and just these ground quakes and the lava and everything it's just such a wonderful study it made me think of like what is that star trek three yeah. was what were the planet just destroyed uh, that's an early the childhood Genesis planet yeah falling apart 
I had some Southern theaters as a kid. Scared me. Could that happen? Am I on a planet that that could happen to? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, all things about it, and even this idea of one Nile ship kind of being left, and that's what they need to get to to save the kids, and Vanessa running through the camp and opening the doors, saving all the kids, not just Avon, end of this big lesson, uh, and a little victory against the Nile, uh, you know, that, that these kids aren't going to be taken by them. I, I, really, I really thought that was great. Yeah. And, and I love the focus that like, yeah, I'm here to save everybody. Yeah. The cyborg doctor, you know, uh, put mm-hmm. up a good fight and got away. Like, fine. I'm here to save people. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on then to a canon lore in moments like that. There wasn't a ton in this book. I, I kind of feel like is the High Republic started. We, uh, I was so looking for like how it connects to existing Star Wars stories. And now a lot of what I think about is how it connects to other High Republic stories. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. I you know, always do that thing. I, I swing over to our pals, uh, Alex and, and Molly's Star Wars Explained channels uh, and, and its channel. And, and Alex has those great um, Easter eggs, things you might have missed, right? I always love it. Always valuable for me. And I at this time, I almost, I, I got a text him. I was just like, it's really just, you're now taking notes about High Republic. We're so deep into this wonderful connected <laughs> era that uh, it really is that you're not you're not wrong at all joseph it's 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 challenging and daunting in a fun star wars way yeah yeah no and then those videos are a great service uh but there were some uh, fun things that connected definitely to the high republic of uh, past and future but also uh to other star wars storytelling so right away on page three uh mm-hmm. ken when avon is musing about other uses for kyber crystals or even making synthetic ones and they could be used in this great positive way to power whole planets uh w- was that just like the shadow of the death star over those pages for you oh yeah i, I made me want to uh reread catalyst uh made me want to uh you know uh, look for krennic and check no absolutely and this could be going on for a while and then this idea of uh, crystals being a source of energy uh sustainable energy uh, I love that popping up, and and why wouldn't you think that with these crystals? And then the, just the danger that's just what crystals are. These, you, I guess you can replicate kyber crystals. You can make some synthetic ones, but they're unstable, and they just might explode and, and destroy it all. So be careful with uh, messing with the balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was uh, really great and really connected to ideas in Catalyst of like mm-hmm. it, it, it was exciting to have like young Avon being like. Hey, I think we could split an atom. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, and knowing uh, where that leads for for poor Galen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then uh, page fifty five and other uh, pages. Uh, there's the threat of the children being sold to Zygerians. Uh, we watched that Clone Wars arc uh, relatively recently. Zygerians have popped up lots of places, but uh, yeah, a horrific uh, group of people mm-hmm. <laughs> of space people. Yeah, uh, did that affect you? Uh, we talked about it a little bit with how much uh, kids are in danger, but did that affect you um, to know the characters that they're being threatened to be sold to? It it does, and, and I would love. Um, I don't I don't know if we need it, but they could just all be bad. But is there a good Zygerian out there in the galaxy? <laughs> we got to meet one. <laughs> yeah, it's an unfortunate legacy. Uh, not a, it's just a downright evil legacy that the Zygerians have, generation generation. But uh, maybe maybe we'll get to that one day. But yeah, no, it's effective and, and it's uh, a good use of uh, canon, good use of connection. Yeah, yeah. I, so yeah, that, it, it, that was one of those instances where like we we already have the the long-standing culture group that would do this so why not use them to give it some oomph um then on uh page 123 uh there is a the 
uh, Vernester's reading about this study, learning about this study called Seismic Events and Their Role in Force Confluences that was written around 200 years ago. And Vernestra wonders why the Republic would be involved in Jedi studies. Uh, mm. it, it, and isn't that more of a Jedi thing? Um, did, obviously, that made me think a lot about how Palpatine knows one way to manipulate the Jedi and, and get mm. them to be suspicious and defensive is to kind of get the Republic into their business. And I definitely saw uh, shades of that, but also uh, perhaps some hints about um, more storytelling in High Republic. What did you think of that? A lot of that, they're just, just dull in itself, right? This uh, almost uh, almost to the day, right? <laughs> Where it's like, this happened 150, when are the books coming out? 150 <laughs> years ago. Which it was, I, yes. Yeah, which, I, by the way, knowing, knowing it, I got really excited about this stuff. And anytime they were kind of like, we don't know what happened here. I'm like, whoa, I can't wait to find out. There's such great value. I think the Jedi and Yoda was even kind of saying that in the last uh, big book, right? Of uh, to, 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 to go forward, we're going to have to go pa- to the past and see how we got here and, and deal with these secrets and deal with the things we don't want to deal with. So anytime that popped up, I love that. Anytime what you, the, the th- stuff you're talking about here, if I just, the Republic mess with the Jedi, I can't wait to learn more about that. You know, there's also that great idea where Yoda's like, uh, we're recalling all Jedi to the temple on Coruscant. We, mm-hmm. we, we got, we got some things to, to think about and talk about. And he's made some discoveries and obviously it's a tactical thing because mm-hmm. the Nile are making the Jedi the targets and other people are getting hurt because the Nile are targeting Jedi. So a lot of reasons for Yoda to say, yeah, retreat. Uh, how would you feel if it was like, if the actual storytelling of phase two is Jedi telling the story? <laughs> <laughs> of what happened 150 years ago if uh you know if it was uh um yarl poof going all right everybody some of you are younger gather around <laughs> i i'm so curious how they're gonna do that there's a version of that that actually really works for me yeah you know very interesting because star wars has always been about you know mm. the the idea that there is kind of a narrator maybe implied by from mm. a long time ago uh, so yeah. Like, yeah, in the narrator of this book is Yarl Poof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board with that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, some other uh, great things. There's the idea that Jedi can change the crystal structure of Kyber crystals. Uh, there's some musing about that, which I think mm. leads into all the great uh, storytelling that we've had about um, bleeding crystals uh, in different ways. And right. the idea of, you know, the crystals really, the sabers really responding to their users through the force. Uh, so yeah. That was great. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that? I just love learning more about that. I think it's one of my favorite things about the modern era. Um, all due respect with people who love the synthetic crystals of the Sith of the EU, but I think this book kind of comments on that of, hey, they still exist, but there's this danger to them. But uh, that uh, the, the the kyber crystals kind of almost being these uh, living organ- organisms that work with you is something that just um, combines that science and the spiritual in Star Wars in a wonderful way for me. Yeah, on our Questions of the Force episode, we were talking about midi-chlorines, and I think some mm. of my thoughts about midi-chlorines were really, uh, you know, reinforced by this book of of things can be uh, approached uh, from a scientific point of view, but there's still spiritual, and certainly mm-hmm. going on with the crystals in this book. Uh, less spiritual, but totally relatable. I like that J6 wants to see the galaxy, and in particular wants to scan the Naboo Lake country. Yes. Absolutely. Who among us doesn't want to scan the Naboo Lake country? That's right. It's the most uh, vacation-worthy planet, right? Yeah. Uh, we meet the character Dr. Ganoli, uh, who is an anacondon with prosthetic arms. Uh, anacondon, of course, uh, the character Morley, uh, mm. who uh, uh, is uh, a servant to Maul uh, mm. when he is in his not-great state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So that was a, it was fun to get a little Morley shout out. Um, and then of course there's a Toydarian Nile member with a gas mask. I didn't write down every time there's you know, mm-hmm. species, but I just think I liked that it was a Toydarian who was pretending not to be a Nile member. And then the Toydarian had a gas mask. You're like, Oh no. <laughs> Uh, I loved it. Uh, there's been a wonderful uh, collection of uh, of uh, Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, uh, species that are in the in the Nile, right? So it it really just makes it a, a galaxy wide uh, threat in terms of this uh, dangerously dis- disenfranchised uh, group. But this is the first time I don't know. I did, it wasn't a negative reaction, but the first time I just went like Tordarian, huh? I don't know if that's threatening to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's more about Wado, not about the, subs- the wonderful things we've seen with the fierce, wonderful people of Tordaria in the Clone Wars, right? I just yeah. immediately go to old broken down Wado. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be afraid of that Nile. <laughs> Wado with his uh, double and his bugs and uh, <laughs> a lot of bums. Owe me yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, but what, uh, King Katunka, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, King totally Katunka different. with a gas mask. Scary. Totally, and and and, and a great, uh, wonderful uh, uh, culture there. But uh, yeah, I just it, it, Iwato is the dominant uh, Toydarian in Star Wars, without a doubt, for good or bad, <laughs> better or worse. Uh, so I, I just had that image. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then final thing I wrote down is uh, it's going to pop up many places. We already knew mm-hmm. that it was the ship that is uh, is pulling at least the main ship that is pulling the Starlight Beacon. But uh, the Halcyon shows up in Imri himself gets to take a brief visit to Star Wars Galactic Cruiser Hotel without paying (laughs) (laughs) $6,000. Just walks through it for free. Come on, Emery. We've talked about this a a lot. This is definitely something that the the, the layering of this fictional cruiser into narratives, while it is also in reality uh, an expensive uh, resort location in the real world, is... That creates a tension that is uncomfortable for some Star Wars fans. Now that we're actually doing it, we're reading about it. Emery's walking the floors. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I, I, I grabbed the book. I lit it on fire and I threw it outside. And I said, <laughs> never again will you put marketing in my books. Look, I totally get it. I totally get why people aren't reacting to this. And and, and the, the reviews on the, on the hotel uh, seem to be mixed at best. I, I don't know. Um I love Galaxy's Edge. I love Batu. I was a little suspicious of it first popping up there. Now I'm fine with it. It works. Uh, there's so many things in Star Wars um, uh, that are too powerful, too important, and too uh, poignant uh, to me to really stop down and worry too much about it. It's funny. I'll, I'll make the jokes with you all day. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I would love Emery to describe the floor show he got to watch or the drinks. I, I'm <laughs> fine with it. Um, but I also will say this. Um Going, we, you and I had, uh, Jen, uh, Jennifer had a discussion Monday, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday's news show about Vader and Vader and Kenobi and, and how it works. And that it was a great decision that they finally came to despite internal debate. But you and I and Jen even talked about, hey, even if some big higher up said, you got to have Vader in your show. How many times in Hollywood, Joseph, when you're making a pitch, if someone said, but could you add a donkey? Yeah. Like, and you got to go, yes, because you got to make it work. If 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 the mandate was we got to get the Halcyon into storytelling, they are doing it in I th- what I feel is the best way possible. Having fun with it, uh, making having it make sense when it uh, pops up there. So if it jumps out to you and it's glaring and you don't like it, I totally get that. I totally get it because it is what it is. But I I think even in this story, it has it has a little more purpose to it and it's a little more impactful. And then maybe you'll get to the Galactic Cruiser Hotel. And even with the high price tag and even with the lack of windows in your bedroom, doesn't matter. You'll get there and you'll think, hey, 
everyone to walk these halls. And if you're a Star Wars fan who loves just getting swept away in the story, it's there for you if you want it. Yeah, I really, really agree with that. I think that for me, the the issue is regardless of whether where the decision came from, whether it's a 100% creative decision or a creative decision that is influenced by somebody going, hey, this would really uh, help out <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the business side of things. All of it just boils down to is, does it work in the story for me? Yep. And I would have never, ever, ever known I was being advertised in expensive resort mm-hmm. when I read this. It was, it's just a part of the story. It's just an interesting idea of this you know this powerful cruiser that is known and and is nearby and it it, for me it uh really adds to that great great vernestra quote that you read right before we took our break of uh these stories in all the star wars but in particular in the high republic those moments where um people can make the choice to pitch in to help others Mm mm-hmm like yeah. that's what's that's what it is about in the book, and it's about Imri's um, m- moment of taking his his step, his step up of coming up with an idea, helping execute it, you know, making the leap, using the force in, in a confident way. That's what it's about for me. It's, it, I didn't perceive any uh, advertisement, even yeah. though it is. Yeah, it is, it, and we could fight fight over it and talk. You know, like I saw great posts, you know, catalyst uh, connection, Rogue One. It is, it is what it is. And, and, and it just, uh, I, I will always try to choose to be swept away by the stories versus, uh, worrying about what's in them. Uh, if it's, uh, if it stands out, it stands out. I get it. But anyways, I don't know yeah. if I'll ever go to the hotel, Joseph. I won't, I don't know. I don't know. It's far away, far away. But when I get there, I will ask a lot about Emory. Yep. Absolutely. I was, d- tell me more about when this space station <laughs> Hauled or this ship hauled yeah. the starlight beacon. Uh, as we begin to wrap up here, was there anything that you wrestled with in the book or questioned? In terms of just writing, deliver, everything was so solid. Absolutely. Like I said, uh, I was familiar with uh, many of the authors uh, before the High Republic era launched. I think Justine Ireland was the one I was least familiar with, but she uh, just keeps uh, putting out these wonderful stories. They're all doing such a great job. Let's be clear about that. Can't wait to some, for some of the new people who are coming on board too. Uh, George Mann, right? Uh, a lot of other people. And I just, uh, every time I, I, I grab a Justine Ireland High Republic book, I, I know I'm going to feel it. I know I'm going to enjoy it. And uh, I just want to tip my cap to her for that. Um, all that said, like the High Republic era is is going on in such a strong way. And there's so many bits of material. I am reading the comics. I'm trying to keep up with it. And because this one was released a little bit later than planned because of a situation in the world, uh, there was a couple moments where I started to slip into, do I need to go pull fallen star off the shelf? When did this happen? Okay. (laughs) Avar's back. She's not back. Is this before she left the first time before she left the second time? There's nothing you can do about that other than just, uh, you know, try to be as clear uh, as possible with it. Try to provide clarity in the timelines, but also, and they do a great job of, I don't feel like I'm missing something. If I, if I know something was from a comic, I just kind of go, all right, it's from a comic. I'll, I'll either visit when I get to, or, or look up the information I need to on Wikipedia. Um, but but this one more than anything, it 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 it, it, it I got tripped up a couple times. It's the only thing. So I wouldn't mind, if, especially now that we're the end of this phase one of phase two. All the you know we can make all the jokes about the phases. It, official kind of the books, the timelines, anything that could help. Uh, and if there's website stuff that I'm missing, please someone point it out to me. But that, that <laughs> it actually would help going into the books to have like detailed summaries. 
And I guess maybe <laughs> Wikipedia is it, but that's just me. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. And I think that that is just a, a part of the nature of the initiative. There's those moments where it's kind of rewarding to be like, ooh, I read that comic and it's it's got that reveal. And I, I and now just reading the book, I make that discovery. It's fun to make the discovery. Uh, but even really investing a lot of time in, in reading them and discussing them, it's so much to keep track of that I would absolutely love yeah. in official. <laughs> so you want to remember everything that's been going on with Renestra. Great, you know? Yeah. yeah. Timeline and, and character stuff. I, I think that's great. Um, I, I So far, I've really enjoyed all of the High Republic books as their own stories. Um, this one felt like a chapter of the overall story. I think Imri definitely made a step forward. Avon made a step forward. Big, you know, a big story, a planet becoming uninhabitable in its entire mm. population. It's not like it's low stakes, uh, but I did enjoy that as a part of the puzzle piece of this era. I do think Vernestra, this was a story of a steadfast character, in my opinion. Maybe mm. others would see it differently, but that, that's the way uh, I enjoyed it. And I like that there's room for, in the High Republic, for the 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 books that are these big events and the books that are just, we're spending some time with the characters as they make it through yeah. this tumultuous time in the galaxy. Look, I hope there's a comic that's just Porter Engel trying to perfect his recipes. <laughs> I think there's that Bake Off. So right. I, I know there's a Bake Off comic I haven't read yet. So I got to check that one out. <laughs> uh, so we always like to check in on the hopes for what is coming next with some of these characters, this story, um, this book is one of the last stories in Wave 3 of Phase 1. Uh, then we're jumping back in time to Frontier Days for Phase 2, and we got a hint in this book of a major conflict. We've uh, mentioned it a couple times. We want to dig in directly. Uh, the Jedi were somehow involved in a major tragedy on Dalna called the Night of Sorrow. It is so severe or sensitive that most information about it has been restricted in Jedi archives, always a good sign. So, mm -hmm. Ken, what are your hopes, <laughs> your thoughts or hopes or <laughs> dreams for the Night of Sorrow? Oh, man, I, I love when Star Wars is a good night of blank, and it's always sad and depressing and dangerous. Um, I think this book really set the tone for what could go on in a, in a, in a general sense of uh, the Jedi. It talks about Jedi not fully understanding the need uh, mm -hmm. Maybe rushing ahead. Jedi hubris, uh, one of our favorite Force Center words. Could we dive into that? And then how, what are the ramifications and what do they learn? And is there shame? And we talk about Emery uh, providing Avon, uh, not just a, uh, you know, a simple sense of forgiveness, but using this to build both of them up forward. So can the Jedi, can Yoda gather all the troops He's calling the salesman back to the office <laughs> and really uh, address what's going on there. So without we're speculating too much on what, what might have gone on, I just think that some of the emotions behind it is the Jedi, Jedi were uh, perhaps just too confident and not thoughtful in what they did. Yeah, I, I love that detail that from Honesty's perspective, it's not like they did anything that bad. It's mm -hmm. that they ran into the situation without, without understanding it. And for me, I think that this tale of the frontier republic, the frontier Jedi in particular, just crashing into cultures that they think they understand, uh, but maybe Ooh. they make a wrong call uh, because they don't fully understand it and they think they are helping. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Dalna in general, I like the way they're portrayed as like, we are aware of all of you space travelers. We're not super into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that speaks to me of like a, 
you know, maybe it's caused by the night of sorrow, but maybe it's more about that's our culture of like, mm-hmm. great. Everybody else wants to run around the galaxy. We really don't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if there is just a, a moment of cultural hubris, yeah, <laughs> you know, that le- I think that's a great frontier story. If that leads the Jedi to be like, Ooh, uh, you know, they think they're taking action, but mm-hmm. and they intend to help, but maybe it's the wrong action because they don't truly understand the culture or they're, enforcing their view uh you know that doesn't entirely jibe i'm really uh, curious if that's going to be a story at all in uh phase two and in particular if that's going to be the story of the night of sorrow it's intriguing if it's there i I love what you're saying because we were talking uh on the questions this week uh about uh questions of representation everything you brought up the great thing of of cultural experiences and and uh, cultural exchange the values of it uh, the ways you can do it wrong the ways it, it can end badly uh, all those kind of things you have you, you do have kind of a chance to continue uh, the high republic era exploring big sections of uh, our own history even on how uh, how best to do it, how to do it. And I, I love it just, and this sounds like I'm joking, but just to love that, that the Dalner are like, no, 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 we're, we're good. We're good on our planet. You don't need to connect us to the greater gas. Ah, see what you did. You destroyed everything. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's something yeah. about that that could be it because you're right. Honestly, it's a great description where he's not like, oh, the Jedi got angry and slaughtered 10,000 people. No, no, no. Just something went wrong in the way they handled it and approached it and thought about it. And again, leads to potentially uh, shame with the Jedi. I mean, the fact that we'd lock it up, uh, you know, uh, speaks to they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by what that could be about. If that's some Jedi hubris or, I mean, it'd be intriguing to me if the Dalna were like, we don't even want you to record it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't even, you know, don't don't put us in your autobiography. (laughs) That's our story, you know? Yeah, yeah. We're not a page in your history book, a lesson for you to learn. No, 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 thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that uh, with the the phase two being like tale of uh, of Jedi on the frontier and maybe having some missteps and that's partially what's coming back to haunt them with the Marky and Roe and mm-hmm. um, and, you know, beasts in, of the past uh, uh, is this idea of I wonder if any of these stories of failure could involve a lost uh, 20 member. I would love that. The lost 20 are an intriguing, uh, intriguing part of the Jedi order. I yeah. love that. Yeah, great idea introducing Attack of the Clones. It gets touched on in, in Dooku Jedi Lost, I believe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to uh, pick a statue <laughs> yeah. and tell that statue. story. Yeah. That's great. Pick a bust. Pick a bust <laughs> and tell me how they failed. <laughs> or yeah. walked away because uh, yeah. for legitimate reasons. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, uh, do you have any hopes for the future of any of these specific characters that we got to uh, hang out with? Lots of uh, mm-hmm. dangling threads for Vernestra and Avon in particular. Uh, things are looking blue sky for Emery as far as I'm concerned. But Vernestra <laughs> and Avon have a lot of uh, storytelling beats that have already been established that they will need to respond to, I think, in the whole, probably mm-hmm. when we get back to phase three. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and the nice thing about these younger characters layered into the story where you have Jedi uh, of all ages and Jedi, Jedi's on the verge of retirement or spending their golden years on temples where it's a little less stressful. Uh, and then, uh, you know, losing great powerful Jedi like Loden Greatstorm and, and uh, Stellan. Without getting into beat-by-beat predictions of, of what could happen, I, particularly for Nestor and Avon, of when they move into positions of leadership or when they move into positions where they aren't just the kid uh, doing the science experiments, she is the lead scientist. How, do, how are they going to react to that? How is Vanestra going to deal with the, I think one day she'll be a Jedi master and I can't wait to see her grow. Can't wait to see her step into that role. 
what happens uh, when you continue to grow and continue to graduate and continue to move to the next chapter and get uh, get not more power like power, but just more responsibility and 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 uh, more on your shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so curious for that for some of these younger characters. Um, I think for Avon, like, what is the fallout of her mother's betrayal going to be? That's a big you know? one. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, right? It, and it, is this going to be a story where, like, for Nestra in Imri uh, and other Jedi have seen Avon and know who she really is, and they're like, she can be valuable to this fight, and you know, other people who are reacting in fear and you know just want to kind of isolate her because uh, they can't trust her either. I think that's. Mm-hmm going to be a fascinating story for Avon. Um, I think Imri's abilities, I, I love this story that they, they could be overwhelming and maybe even disrespectful, right? Of mm-hmm. using, using your ability to calm someone, which is a, a nice intention, uh, but can be an invasion of, mm. you know, somebody else's feelings. And I love how much they've dealt with that. I love the detail that Reese found some old books with the good meditations yeah, yeah. <laughs> and taught them to Imri. Uh, and now he's kind of getting into that more stable place where he can control it, you know? Mm. Mm. And it seems like if his ability is to truly read the room in the most intimate force way, that that is what is most needed, you know, in these in these dark times is to find clarity, right? The, the Nile have managed to sow a lot of confusion and fear and Emery's ability is to be able to address those feelings. Yeah, mm, I love that. So Imri feels like he has a lot, uh, a lot going for him. And then for Nestra, I feel like is being set up to be one of the key characters of phase three because she's got that path that Mari Santeca gave her that is hers. She still hasn't fully come to grips with the visions that she has in hyperspace, but now she's had them not in hyperspace when she sees Avon kidnapped Mm -hmm. in this book. Uh, She's still... uh, Still, I think having some conflicting feelings about the the whip configuration. Mm. So I feel like she's got some like really, really big, um, big, uh, not only things for a character, but they feel plot related, right? They feel like, what is that path for? Uh, in the way that whip was uh, was set up feels to me that it isn't just about Vernestra feeling like I'm different. This seems aggressive. I'm, I'm afraid to tell people, mm. uh, but more like the force is guiding her somewhere and that whip is going to make a difference mm. yeah. on like a big scale, not a, not on, not just a personal scale, but in a critical moment, you know, that whip is the weapon that is needed. That's what that, that's Marky on Rose final moment is with the whip, right? No. Yep. Yeah. Only way to take up Marky and Rose laser whip. <laughs> That's no, exactly what I'm it. saying. Who knows? Very excited yeah. for uh, Vernestra's future. Is yeah. there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? No, I just actually legitimately can't wait to go back in time with the series. It, it is just weird to say. Like, I, I just, you know, they've done such a great job building this era up. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to that new phase. And uh, I think a lot of it was this book. Uh, like I said, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, this is what they're talking about. I was like, oh, okay, we got some specifics. And just the last uh, the book, uh, last book with, with Yoda, like you said, gathering everyone and going, all right, it's time we talk. It's time <laughs> we talk, Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting caught up with uh, mm. some of the comic books uh, as well. And uh, there are probably some hints we're missing. We're trying to stay caught up with it all. Uh, but for now, we're going to have a fun question to wrap up. Ken, if you were kidnapped by the Nile, which of the characters from this book would you trust <laughs> to rescue you? I hope uh, I hope they come riding in on ice skaters. Um, I mean, 
Vanessa's a superstar. I can't, I'm trying to think of a, a cute answer outside of that, but that's, she's a superstar. Absolutely. Bring the light, light, light whip out and, and save the day. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, Vernestra and J6 together. Like, uh, oh, yeah. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to talk about J6 a lot. Very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. good droid. Uh, got some, some good sass, as you said. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I like how determined J6 is. So, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, please, J6, Vernestra, rescue me from the Nile. I would appreciate it. With that, we are going to wrap up. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Four Center. From there, you can get to our Discord where we have a very robust High Republic discussion section there. So join the talk over there. You can find me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, kennapsock.com. like rock and roll, pop music. I have a radio show on Mixcloud called Pop Rock and Radio. Check it out over there. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out all of my other comedy adventures across the years and in the future on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Vanestra's Light Whip, and Imri's Noodle Stand, this has been Forced. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.